It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Kicks it back towards the wing. In front, Franklin. Knocked away by Morris. Naismith sold a teammate in trouble. Quick thinking by Kennedy. And Franklin was run down. Tom Boyd's got it. Tom Boyd goes long. How will it bounce? The stadium holds its breath. It's a goal. And the western suburbs erupt. Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Oh, my word. This is a virtuoso performance. He will leave tonight and get on the team bus with a violin case. I'm going to say it, Bruce. That was centimetre perfect. What a kick. Beautiful kick. Burns. Swan kicks inside the forward 50. Rocker comes to it. Well, Rocker, like my wife driving, needs a fair bit of lane. <laughs> that's uh, that's on YouTube. Like it or not, Paul Bauer. What about standing the mark? Does that go down as a clanger? Chance opens up for the Saints. Gilbert into the path of Montagna. They've got men back. Rebold in the middle, calling for the football. Schneider will he give it to Rebold? He will. Rebold runs in. Touched up to Boots. Oh my goodness! Can you believe that wonderful chase by Heath Shaw. He came up behind him like a librarian. He never heard him. Oh, no surprise, everybody else in the library is shouting. There you go. A very lazy introduction on my part <laughs> because I let my guest introduce himself. And who better to do it than the goats when it comes to football commentary uh, in this country, the one and only Dennis Cometti. Hello, Dennis. How are you? G'day, Tim. I'm feeling good after that. Yeah, I bet you are. And I should say, welcome to this episode of inspiring, my, inspiring Stories, brought to you by Baron O'Day. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Um, what is it like hearing those those moments back? Does it take you back? Can you remember those very specific moments when those when I'm famous lines came out of your mouth? When I'm listening, I can see the action. I, I've seen them many times before, sort of film clips of them. So yep. as a result, I, I know what's coming up generally when I sit down like this, but you had a good collection. I've got to say that. Yeah. So congratulations. There's a, there's a I'll l- come back. A, a, you can disappear down a very deep rabbit hole on YouTube when you type your name in. Okay. Let yeah. me tell you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but look, we want to get to know you uh, a little bit more outside of football, um, your roots, those pivotal moments uh, in your life yes. uh, that shaped your extraordinary career. I think um, you're the only... Uh, broadcaster whose career pretty much up until when you retired anyway spanned the entire duration of AFL. Probably. I don't know about that exactly. I couldn't oh, say that's correct. Let's, but let's run with it anyway. If you read Dennis, that, I'm, I'm, pretty I'm sure. pleased it's in print. <laughs> I don't have to sort of go around I, barking I, it anymore. I didn't make it up anyway, so I've definitely read it <laughs> I somewhere. I think people who yeah. make things up. But, uh, <laughs> it was a good life. I enjoyed the footy. I loved the footy. I did a lot of cricket too. That was uh, yes. Actually, when I went to the ABC, they took me for the cricket. They did. Yeah, they yeah. did. So am I getting ahead of us now? Way ahead. Dennis. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. So born in Geraldton. 
Uh, that's right. Yeah. My father worked for the Department of Civil Aviation. Yeah. And he was working at the airport up there, and I was born there. And then we went to Forest in the middle of the Nullarbor Plain. Wow. There's a big airstrip out there, actually. It's still yeah. there. And what it was used for in those days was, I think, light aircraft coming across Australia. But it was there for emergencies, too. The runway was so long that big planes could land if they got into trouble coming to Perth or going to the eastern states. And I stayed there. Well, I don't remember I stayed there, but I know I did for about three years. And I think families did that because they wanted to come to the city and get their kids into school. So they did things in the country to sort of get the Mm. time up in uh, public service. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then they could get their kids to school and uh, live in the city. And that's what happened. As an only child, though, Dennis. Yes. I mean, were you bored out of your mind? Well, I was only five at the time. (laughs) And by the time I came to Perth, well, I got schoolmates, so uh, that was good. But I had a few games that I sort of invented a bit later on, and one of them was uh, football broadcasting, actually. I had these little, uh, I don't know what you'd call them now, they were like little uh, uh, buttons, and I put numbers on the back of them in different colours. And being an only child, I whiled away the time by calling footy. East Fremantle always won because they were my team. <laughs> so there was a lot of bias in the commentary. I hope that went in later years. But yeah. uh, So I know I had a good childhood. My dad loved the footy. He died very young, my dad. He died at 53. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, bad luck because we were pretty close and we loved the football. And part of my football experience was with him through the juniors and mm. as a result then going to West Perth. And he would have loved, I think, uh, to have seen what happened afterwards. I remember you saying at one point uh, when you were reflecting on your West Perth days that uh, you uh, you didn't rehabilitate yourself very well from an injury because it coincided yes. with the death of your father. And I think in your words, you said you did the lot together. That's right. So you were obviously quite close. Yeah, that's how it felt. And um, as a result, I suppose, then I felt for the first time that I was alone. Mm-hmm. I had my mother, of course, Dulcie, and she was terrific. But at the same time, I needed a job and... Uh, it was lucky that radio came along. I was very lucky because in 68, I had a reasonably good football season. I was kicking a few goals towards the end of the season. Uh, so I was 19 at the time. I started the year before and uh, 6KY had offered me a job in the country. But of course, because of the footy, I wanted to stay in the city. But then they offered me midnight to dawn on 6KY. The graveyard. Yeah, well, it was, but it was the best thing that happened <laughs> to me because I do a night after the footy, say, on a Saturday night, and then go home and go to bed. Or on a Friday night, I'd sort of do the same thing, go home and go to bed whenever we were playing, Saturday or Sunday. And then I'd wake up at about six, and uh, rather go to bed at about six, and then wake up about noon and go to the footy. And and footy had been a big deal until then, but suddenly something else comes up and usurps Mm. it. And I always say to people, the best way to deal with pressure is apply more pressure. Mm. And that worked for me. And uh, so the footy really worked at the back end of that season because radio had become paramount. And yeah. uh, I met my wife there too, Velia. She was George Chapman's secretary. Right. Now, he wasn't the big boss, but he was the program director. And he went on to great things, obviously. Yeah. And so did Velia. Yeah. <laughs> um, she got a mention in that little uh, clip before too, didn't she? About, I think she did, yes. About her driving abilities, I hope. Oh, well, she's, she's still a bit staying of in her lane? <laughs> you set her up there uh, yeah, beautifully. Well, no, I think both of us are getting shaky now. <laughs> um, can, can we talk about your West Perth days as, yeah. a, as a player? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you had the incredible opportunity to play under the great. 
yep. Polly Farmer. Yes. Uh, so, you, I mean, you're working in the radio during the week. You're kicking goals. Polly's your coach on the weekend. Yes. Life's pretty good. Yes. At one point you were referred to, I don't know if this was a term of endearment or if people were having a crack at you here, but Polly's pet. Did well, you, allegedly. You, did, you, did you have a, a, a good relationship with Polly? Yeah, he did like me a lot. Well, I, I think he liked me a lot. Yeah. Taking something for granted. But uh, he certainly was terrific when my dad died. He was great while coaching me. My first coach was Bob Spargo in 67. Yep. He was terrific too, a Victorian who came across. Really good player. Yeah. And then Polly came. And, uh, yeah, Polly sort of did take me under his wing, I think. And as a result, when dad died, he was coming around quite a bit to see my uh, – mother and myself, and uh, he put in a lot of time. And I think he expected me to continue, and I think he was disappointed when I didn't. But uh, the weight of needing a job and also getting a job meant that uh, I just couldn't do it. Mm. You know? And uh, later in life, I'd see Polly around the place at the footy, for example, and he would, uh, he would say, you made the right decision. Yeah. So it was good. It worked out well. And, of mm. course, he died so young and so tragically. Yeah. How good were you as a player? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, you'd have to ask somebody else. Uh, yeah. You know, like uh, I had some promise, I think. If I saw me now, I would be uh, probably – no, I wouldn't have fallen in love with me. But at the, same, <laughs> uh, at the same time, I would have thought, well, he's got some hope, that bloke. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. When I got to Melbourne, I the, the best thing that happened to me, actually, I, I got a job offer to go to 3DB at about yep. the time my father died – which meant that I had to get married because Velia came from a good Italian family, so we couldn't scamper off together. <laughs> and I think we were both 19, so uh, we got married and I took off. And uh, I really liked it in Melbourne as well. You know, like it was uh, – 3DB was – that was the pinnacle of radio yeah. at the time. It was mm. the number one station in Melbourne. And what they were trying to do was get a younger audience at night. They had talked during the day – and at night, you know, they wanted something else. Now, about six months later, they went back to talk, so it didn't work out too well. But I enjoyed myself. I, I really loved Melbourne, still yeah. do. And uh, I loved 3DB. It was great for me. And you'd love your music. I do. I, I've got uh, all the 60s. I think I've got 2060 songs on here with the jingles that <laughs> I play in the car from all the stations that sat Is that me. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's sobering, you know. <laughs> I remember that. Three it's humbling for just five to remind minutes, yourself. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because somehow you ended up on the list of, you say going to Melbourne to, to work at 3DB, but you also ended up on the list of yes. Footscray. Didn't play a game, but you ended up on their list yes. despite not having played a lot in the season and a half or so prior to that because mm -hmm. of – Injury. Yeah, it was a bit strange, I mean, it's wasn't a, it? It's, it's a quirky thing. How did that come about that you ended up on a VFL list? Well, I think Westperth had great administration and they did a sleight of hand. I don't know how it <laughs> happened either, but then there was a clearance wrangle for four weeks. They wouldn't clear me, Westperth, when they sent me there. Right. And I love Footscray. I, I really enjoyed it. I barracked for Footscray in the AFL. People ask me who I barrack for. I don't barrack strongly, but I, I like the Bulldogs. Yeah. I call them Footscray all the time, but I like the Bulldogs. Uh, when I was there, Whitten was the coach. And Charlie Sutton, their greatest player, you could toss a coin, mm. Neil Whitten was the president and uh, it was just old school. It was remarkable. You know, the things they were happy about when I got to Footscray was that they had this new licensed premises. Well, West Perth had had one for a decade and it was better. Yeah, you right. know, there was a lot of money in West Australian football because of the the hours in terms of when you could get a drink. In Melbourne, you could get a drink more easily. Over here, they had the sessions. Mm. And footy clubs became rich because of it. Mm. And in those times, a lot of great footballers from Victoria 
came here in their mm. prime and went back. I mean, Kevin Murray came to East Perth and coached for two years, went back and won the Brownlow. It's I mean, strange, isn't yeah, it? strange things happened. Gabalich came here, went back, and the next year he was captain of Collingwood. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> because they came for the dough. Yeah. Different Dennis time. Dennis Cometti didn't see much of the dough. <laughs> How close were you to, <laughs> to, making a, to, to getting a VFL debut uh, over it? I, I played about five or six reserves games. Um, I remember one in the wet that I played well in, but I needed sort of everyone to come back to my style, I think. You know, very muddy. Uh, but it was against Hawthorne, and they had a lot of players who went on to become very good players. I remember Michael Tuck was playing in that side. Lee Matthews' brother was playing in that side. Uh, they had some really good players anyway. I think they won yep. most of the reserves, premierships of that era. Mm. And, uh, no, I, I, I love the place. I love Footscray, and uh, they really still are the team that I like to see do well. Yeah. All right, on that, we need to take a break. But uh, after the break, we'll get you to uh, talk us through your uh, coaching days and then... Oh. <laughs> Should we skip that bit? <laughs> Don't mind if you do. We'll be brief because there's so much to get through. Uh, Dennis Committee is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the story of the one and only Dennis Cometti. Uh, Dennis, we're sort of at the stage where you're you're in Melbourne, you're spinning some tunes mm -hmm. on 3DB, you're almost playing for <laughs> Footscray. What brought you back to Perth? Uh, well, I got the sack. Uh, <laughs> well, they changed yeah. formats. They went back to all talk. Yep. So as a result, they didn't need a man playing top 40 music at night. There was a terrific guy who was doing drive too. What was his name? O'Donnell. Paddy O'Donnell, a New Zealander, and I think he escaped it, but he turned a little bit and went to more talk and less music. Yep. I didn't get that option. So, <laughs> But Paddy was a great disc jockey. I loved listening to him. I'd start at seven, I'd drive in, and uh, living in Footscray, mm. you could get there very quickly. I mean, there was no Melbourne, that side of, well, what, what are we going, west? Mm. Out towards the western suburbs, Footscray was about 10 minutes away, and mm. the suburbs went, I don't know, for an hour and a half the other way. So yeah. it was a good place to live, and I, I, I like the feel of the joint. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's still a good spot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you're back in Perth. Mm -hmm. Can we just talk about your, your coaching career? We'll just touch on it briefly. I know you, okay. you, you no, don't want to dwell fine, on that's it. That's fine. No, no. How did you find coaching? I mean, <laughs> did you actually enjoy it as you reflect back? Because I know it was a little while ago now, but... What sort of a coach were you at West Perth? Well, how I got the job was interesting because I was working for the ABC. Yeah. So the ABC had me sort of picked as their cricket man. I was yeah. doing cricket for them. And yeah. uh, so as a result, they didn't care what else I did. You know, I just had to do the cricket. And uh, they had me going, I think, to England, in their mind at least, for the next Ashes series. So, so they said, well, yeah, you can coach. Now, I was surprised they let me do it, but I did it for three years. Now, the first year was very good. Because uh, the previous year, Graham Campbell was a great coach. He actually won a premiership with West Perth a couple of years before I came in. But he'd lost the players in the last year, and he himself would say that. And uh, as a result, I think their average, and this is startling, their average losing margin, this is to make me look better, their average losing margin in his last year was 95 points or 96 <laughs> points a game. 
So people say that's incredible. It can't be, but when you do the figures, and I did them <laughs> in retrospect, <laughs> uh, I did them in retrospect, and uh, you know, really, uh, that's that's amazing. So in the first year, we went from they weren't bottom because their first two thirds of the season had been okay, mm. and then. Uh, there was a few things that happened at the club. Uh, Graham, and I think he'd admit this himself, he uh, used his son a little too often in league games. One of the sons, he had two playing, uh, and one wasn't really, uh, I'd have to say, not of league calibre, and the players yep. took exception to that, the other players. And as a result, Graham won a premiership. He won a premiership with West Perth earlier. But as a result, I think uh, the players just uh, couldn't make the finals and, and decided the season yep. was over. What was the rest of the question? What sort of a coach were you? And uh, did you enjoy oh, it? Um, well, no, I, I, I was a coach that uh, talked a lot, yeah. know, like I was talkative. Uh, sort of I gave them uh, a little bit of uh, radio stuff every time we sat <laughs> down, you know, sort of gave them that sort of uh, – Deep voice. No, yeah. no, it was, it was, and the um, one-liner, did, did the one-liners sort of start during laugh, that time? They didn't laugh, though. They were no. a pretty surly lot. <laughs> yeah. so, so we we finished third the first year. We got into a uh, preliminary final, and uh, we uh, just lost to a team that got beaten in the grand final. It was Graham Moss and Claremont. Yep. Top side was Swan Districts. We'd beaten them twice in the first year, and, uh, you know, it would have been nice to play them in the grand final. Anyway, third was terrific from where we'd come from. Yeah. And I think the club was pretty happy, but we still had some very good players. Yep. Next two years, not so much. Uh, we lost uh, a few players who were drafted to – well, not drafted. There was no draft at that stage, just recruited by uh, VFL clubs. And um, as well, we had quite a few injuries. So mm. uh, that being the case, we lost some of our best players. And uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> you won some premierships with some local footy teams that you coached as well. Yeah, I did, yes. The buzz of, of – being a coach, uh, overseeing a, a win, a premiership win, um, you know, was is, is it up there with your other career highlights? Uh, yes, because uh, a lot of those players that I did coach in the South Suburban, I went to Maddington yeah. and uh, we won three premierships on the trot. But those guys still know how to celebrate, you know. They still mm. get together often. Uh, some of those guys became your best friend. I was there for four years and uh, really liked it mm. and uh, – so all through those uh, Sunday league days, there were Sunday leagues, there were two sort of conflicting competitions. There was a South Suburban Murray League and the Sunday League or the WASL or something. I can't remember the uh, exact name of them, but they were sort of uh, uh, powerful as each other. You know, there was a lot of football being played at that time, uh, yep. but all that's changed. I mean, Sunday football was killed by the AFL. Yeah. Or the VFL as they were. Uh, they just came in and loaded it up with uh, weekend games and that was the end of footy really apart from amateur football. But mm. there was good money being paid and the one I went to first, Maddington, actually had a licensed premises, a real nice licensed premises, you know, like a club mm. in the middle of nowhere. And, mm. uh, and as a result, the players stayed after games and after training and they became really good mates. Mm. Yeah. Um, you've touched on already your cricket commentary. Yes. It's very hard to talk uh, your story through in chronological order without getting sidetracked because you had lots of things moving in parallel, didn't you? Yeah, I found that when I did these notes that, <laughs> that I'm not using now. Yeah. I've got these arrows. two different lists going at the same time. <laughs> I've got arrows going yeah. across the page. Uh, yeah, like uh, it was strange. Uh, when I went to the ABC, I, I was calling but a test. You're a young man though. And just on that, I, yeah, I think you, again... Yeah, you're taunting wrong, me. But don't. You were a young but man. 23, you were the youngest so rude. person. <laughs> wow. This is a 
moment to celebrate how, you know, a young achievement, sorry, an achievement as a young man, Dennis. Yeah. 20, at 23, you're the youngest person in ABC history to call a test match. Uh, that's right, yeah. I hadn't done any cricket 20, until... 23. That's pretty good. Huh? That's pretty good. <laughs> I'd love to be back there now and replay it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was... No, it was uh, it was interesting. I, I went to the ABC because uh, I just finished a football season at 6PR. I was doing afternoons playing music and yep. uh, my weekend sort of gig was doing the footy because they, they went out of football and then they came back in under a new ownership very late and so they had to sort of cobble together a team to cover the waffle. And again, I put my hand up, sort of being a... Uh, what a shrinking violet, and uh, put myself in there. And, um, yeah, I did that for a year. And then Jim Fitzmaurice, a terrific broadcaster himself, and he went on to become head of the ABC nationally as far as you could go as a sort of worker. And then there was a board above you. But uh, Jim was outstanding. Jim went to England and made a, a lot of money. I still keep in touch with him. He's living in Seattle at the moment. So for anyone who's interested, just send a card to Jim Fitzmaurice. I'm sure he's made an impact in Seattle like everywhere else and you'll get the card. But uh, <laughs> so it was it was um, a strange situation. I, I sort of uh, look back on it now and it sort of all came together. But uh, I did a test match, I think, uh, three months after I'd started there or something. It yeah. was quite bizarre. And then they said, well... Go on the coattails of Alan McGilvray, who yeah, was a, you know, doyen. a doyen of broadcasters and uh, in cricket. And uh, I worked with him. But we came from different eras, so we weren't yep. particularly, you know, matey. Anyway, they wanted me one year to go, I think, uh, towards the end of Alan's career. And Alan saved the ABC because uh, World Series cricket came along and he was the voice of cricket still. So it gave them some hope to compete because mm. there was a lot sort of piling up against them. And when I sort of shook it out, I, I thought I couldn't go to England because we were different sort of generations and he had a lot of friends over there and I was sort of, uh, I suppose, in my mid-twenties. And I, I saw it as a very lonely trip. You wouldn't call any cricket. What you'd do is just give reports back on games against Gloucestershire or Yorkshire, you know. Right. So you were just touring around and meeting the right people. But I thought uh, that's going to be... Uh, a little bit tricky. Yeah. I, I, so I chose not to do it, and, and the ABC from that moment on, I think, uh, wanted me out the door. Mm. And there was about two years that I sort of stayed, and then I went to seven uh, because of the national football competition. Mm. So it was a really weird thing, the fact yeah. that they didn't care whether I uh, you know, broadcast the football or not, mm. really. It was all about the cricket. And ultimately, um, as you reflect on it now, mm. did you just simply love cr- uh, football more than cricket? Uh, as a as a fan of a sport, you're more of a footy guy than a cricket guy. Marginally, I, I love broadcasting cricket because uh, it was a bit long. I mean, days go for a long time, <laughs> and I, I the broadcasting I enjoyed most was when we were able to broadcast with Kerry Packers people like Richie Benno and Ian Chapel and those sorts of guys on radio, mm. and uh, we did it because that was generally the Christmas the Christmas. Time is generally when cricket is being played. A lot of cricket, you know, over Christmas and after Christmas, and a lot of people are on holidays. And uh, as a result, they used to broadcast uh, every ball on two UE and uh, what was it, three, four BC, and uh, I think it was three AK in Melbourne. But it didn't come to Perth, which is a little bit odd when you're mm. over there and back here is a vacuum and wonder where you've gone. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was a great experience, and and Richie Benno and those people were great to be alongside. Yeah, I bet. Um, so the start of the AFL uh, competition, mm. uh, the start of your 
career on the national stage uh, with the broadcaster of the footy uh, at that time. Mm. Also, the, the time, the birth of the West Coast Eagles. Yes. There's a lot going on at the moment. Bit of resistance to the Eagles uh, yes. entering into uh, the national competition. As a West Australian individually, how were you received by the, you know, the, the football establishment in the in the East? Well, pretty well, I think, looking back. Uh, they uh, had... Uh, Issues with some things that I said. I had funny ways of putting some things they weren't used to. I mean, that's the way it goes, doesn't it? Someone yeah. from somewhere else comes along and starts broadcasting and they wouldn't have heard me very much over there other than on the cricket. So, uh, no, I, I enjoyed all of that. And I remember, it's funny, uh, the first game in the competition was a game between North Melbourne and, uh, who were they, Brisbane? I think it was Brisbane on a Friday night. And I, I flew to Sydney but the plane was late and we got in and uh, I had about, I reckon, 75 minutes to get to where I was going in Sydney. And you know how in Sydney uh, the cab drivers sing out where they're going, yep. not where you want to go necessarily. <laughs> and if you get lucky, the suburb. So I had my daughter with me, actually. I took her across and I thought it would just be a bit of a junket. She could sit in the corner. Yeah. But it turned out it was like a... Uh, rush for life. Like I had to get there in time because the telecast was starting. I got there with 45 minutes to spare and the guy who was the expert, no names, hadn't turned up (laughs) the first game nationally. So he didn't come. You're not going to tell me the name. No, I'm not. Would we know it? Yeah, you would. Yeah. Uh, So so anyway, he he didn't turn up. So, so, and I'm sitting there and they had this old auto queue. It must have been, it was like, it was a sort of rotating job. You know, you just turn the wheel on the side. A monkey on the other side. I'd never seen anything so small. (laughs) So, so I'm looking and I'm, I'm ready to get up and walk out. But as I say, I took my daughter and I saw her sitting in the corner and she was just so tranquil and so looking yeah. at daddy. And she was, well, yeah. she wasn't that young, but she was probably seven or eight. And uh, oh, I'll get a kick in the bum when I get home if that's, <laughs> if that's out of whack. Uh, anyway, I, I sort of soldiered on and, and it was fine. But uh, it was a very tricky start. You know? yeah. And I, I, uh, well, I don't think I've ever been as nervous before that. Not, not so much because we were doing it, but because... There was no one else there. Yeah, so you it was were, a bit against you. you were, so yeah. suddenly you're the expert as well. And given my uh, coaching career, I thought people around Australia, if they know that, then yeah. they won't sort of uh, give any credence to what this bloke's doing. Just before we go to a break, Dennis, without naming the name, yes. did, did the person turn up in the end? No. No. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm going to guess as we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Dennis Cometti is our special right. guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, my guest in this episode is the one and only uh, Dennis Kometi, a man who is uh, often imitated but never surpassed. Oh, you sound like that's, my wife. That's that's my one line for you. Dennis. <laughs> no, that's is very that, good. Are you happy with that? I'm just running it down. <laughs> uh, never surpassed. <laughs> I'm sure you can add something even snappier. No, that's very nice of you. Thank you. No, that's good. I like that. You must get people, though, just come up to you and, and, and almost imitate you to your face, do you? Uh, not so much now, and I wish it would happen. <laughs> but uh, in the old days, the funniest thing that used to happen was you'd be walking down the street with your wife or another couple and cars would go past and they'd wind down the window, particularly in Melbourne, and shout out Centimetre Perfect. Yeah. I, I, wasn't such a big thing here, I don't think, but over there they had never heard that expression before. And mm. admittedly, I think I made it up, 
Yeah. All I did, there used to be inch perfect when I was a boy, so I just went metric. You just adapted it. I just went metric. <laughs> I mean, that was obviously a standout for you. You wrote a book. Called Centimeter called Perfect. Called Centimeter Perfect. I wouldn't so call it a book, was, but it was. <laughs> yeah, a collection of a, words. A collection of words, yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the very start. Obviously, a, a rough start, as you described just before the break, mm-hmm. um, to your AFL or VFL, the national competition, mm. uh, commentating. Um things got a little bit more seamless and a little bit smoother after that point, but particularly Friday nights, Friday nights became your domain, didn't they? Friday night footy, you were sort of synonymous with this explosion uh, on the the national stage of, of the AFL Friday night footy. It was part of the the weekly routine. Yes, it was. And uh, more of that happened, I think for me when I went to nine, because I was doing it with Eddie Maguire. Yep. And I think that uh, got me onto Friday nights on seven when I came back. Now, I didn't do a lot of Friday night games before that. Yep. Did a lot of football, but not uh, Friday night so much. And Friday night wasn't the marquee game normally. Mm. It was a lot of North Melbourne simply because they needed the money, I think, and uh, perhaps the exposure, (laughs) the exposure as well. And, uh, you know, it was uh, an interesting time. I I just... uh, Loved it leading up to going to nine. I liked it at nine and uh, really liked it at nine and came back and uh, just picked up where I left off at seven. But it yep. wasn't easy getting back to seven. Uh, mm. Kerry had some views about my going. <laughs> now, what had happened, actually, they'd got a new sportsman in. I wasn't going I wasn't going to leave seven, you know, like I was uh, all set to stay. Now, they got a guy in from England as their sports director. This is talking out of school now. Yeah. But, uh, Are we going to have to edit this out? No, you're not. No, 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 no you're okay. not. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't know him very well, but he did bungle the Olympics wherever they were. Where was the Olympics before uh, that time? I can't remember. Might have been might have been Sydney, actually. Might have been Sydney. The 2000 Olympics? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he didn't. Uh, he missed a couple of beats there, and as a result, uh, I wasn't that fond of him anyway. And uh, we uh, – that can't be right, can it? I'm thinking – which year are we? Which year are so we in? We're in twenty two now. Oh, so no, 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 I know. <laughs> Which era? Um, so the the Olympics. So Sydney two thousand. We had yeah, what, Atlanta ninety six, yes. Barcelona ninety two, uh, Seoul eighty eight. Going backwards. Okay. So yeah. the footy rights change so, in two thousand as well, didn't they? I think they around did. about there. around that. Yeah, yeah, around that mark. So so it's all happening at the same time as the Olympics. Anyway. Uh, I decided I was going to stay, and yep. uh, I'd spoken with uh, Kerry Stokes, and uh, I said I would. And uh, then I had to find a sport because footy was gone. You know, that was uh, my key. I, I wanted to do the football, and uh, I, I went to this fellow who'd been sort of brought from, I think it was from the BBC and overseen the Olympics, and a couple of things had happened there that brought us into conflict. Yep. And uh, I wanted to do the golf, and I said, you know, I'd be happy to do the golf with Sandy Roberts. Mm. And he said, I'd like an audition. So I, that was enough for me. I thought, well, I said I was going to stay, but when I caught the plane that night going back to Perth, I knew I was going, you know, yeah. like uh, I wasn't going to do an audition for the golf. Yeah. And uh, that does that sound a bit uppity? No. Should I have been slapped? No. No, no I, I, I think, I, just, uh, I mean. I was stunned. I think you have every right to be a little bit of a diva at this point in time. Oh, diva, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good word. And, uh, <laughs> and a couple of, uh, I reckon, 18 months later, that guy was gone, but it didn't uh, necessarily help me stay at seven. But I got back to seven. I, I never told that story, but uh, uh, that was how it worked. Even when I spoke with Kerry, I, yeah. I rang him, but I didn't go into the details, and I think he was a bit disappointed. Mm. 
they'd gone. Having said that, you know, footage you trade. The well, rights had, had switched networks. That's true. It was too, obvious, yeah. really, wasn't yeah. it? Well, I, I think so. But uh, as I say, I was prepared to stay because Seven had been good to me and yep. were good again. Yeah. Um, your relationship with, with Bruce, mm-hmm. I, I hesitate to use the word special. That's a, that's a Bruce word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you did have a special chemistry, didn't you, you and Bruce? Uh, yeah, it was funny. We, we stayed in the same hotel for many, many years in Melbourne and because yeah. uh, he came from Adelaide. So we'd get there sort of on a Friday night or whatever, and uh, we'd go into, well, Friday afternoon and do Friday night, and then we'd sort of perhaps do another game at the weekend as well. And we were like an old married couple, you know, like, and we came to an agreement that if you walked into the restaurant and he was sitting there, there was no obligation, or I was sitting there, and uh, there was no obligation to go and talk. Yeah. Say good morning or anything. Go and sit by yourself if you wanted to and read the papers. Sounds so, ideal. So, yeah, that, that was perfect. You know, like, we, we didn't feel as though we were obligated in any way to the other. Yeah other than we enjoyed each other's company. And the girls, well, our girls have got on famously too when we've been a foursome, you know, sort of uh, going out for dinner in Adelaide or in Melbourne or here for that matter. Yeah. And uh, now he's a terrific bloke. Uh, he's an outstanding man who uh, just loves his sport and is very good at what he does. Outstanding. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's got athletics he loves. He loves the horses, doing them now. He's given football away. But... Uh, He's very good with both of those things and very good with whatever he did. The Olympics, of course, yeah. uh, a mainstay for him too. So he's obviously looking forward to what's coming up soon. Yeah. Can we talk about your preparation mm-hmm. for a game? Mm-hmm. Talk us through your your routine, if you had one. Well, I watched a lot of tape. I, I enjoyed that because uh, you didn't see every game the previous weekend anyway. So what I would do is come back to Perth and look at what I was doing the following week and uh, – Look at their games over the week. You could record them. So mm. it was it was pretty easy. I mean, the old football commentators, when I say old, the guys back in the 60s, for example, didn't have that luxury. So to be compared to them is a bit unfair to them. I think uh, we had everything we needed to get to know those people. Mm. Generally, I was doing two or three games a weekend because I did one for uh, a radio station over there as well, 3AW, and later Triple M uh, on the Saturday. So Friday night a footy game on Saturday for radio and then another Sunday game. And generally, unfortunately, it took me a lot to Brisbane. Now, not that I dislike Brisbane or, or the Lions, but it was a long trip back on a Sunday night from uh, Brisbane to Perth. So uh, uh, that was generally my routine. I might do a Sunday game with Bruce occasionally if it was a big one. But uh, we we sort of really, I think, enjoyed each other's company and respected the other yep. and, and their time to be alone. Yeah. There was work to be done. Uh, Bruce had a, had a meticulous uh, encyclopedic <laughs> memory and ability to recall numbers from seemingly nowhere. I mean, his head must just be crammed full of data. <laughs> uh, you seem to, I suppose, bring more of that, I don't know, the timing, um, you know, the witty lines, mm. um, get a sense of the, of the occasion as well. Did you have markedly different preparations going into a, a game? I mean, I, I can imagine him, he had sort of just, you know, just bags, yeah, well, bags of books. Well, he, w- he would walk in. He would walk in on a Friday night and he'd be carrying several thick books. Yeah. And he'd put them down on the desk yeah. in front of his seat. And I'd already be generally sitting there sort of making a few notes, but just uh, looking for silly one-liners. That was, <laughs> that was my work. Anyway, uh, and then he wouldn't sit down because the, it may have been that the books were too high. He would stand and call the football for four quarters. Right. 
And he was just, I tell him this often, he was just up to my hairline. (laughs) But uh, there he was. And uh, so I'd turn around and uh, I could see his shoulder, you know, as he was right beside me. I I did football differently from him. I I didn't watch the game at all. I had two monitors. I decided this was the way to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cameraman who did it for us, and I, I should know their names better than I do, so I won't just mention them by Christian names, but they were outstanding. We had a couple of blokes who were just terrific on the cameras. And uh, they made my life, not so much Bruce's because he didn't use the shots that were in front of you, but I brought in a second sort of uh, TV monitor. Yeah. And that was the output from one camera. That was the close-up shot. And the other was the long-distance shot. And these guys were gurus. I mean, they were really good. And you could go from one to the other. I, I saw no reason to look at the ground. I, I just looked at the what the people at home were seeing. Right. And uh, I found it very easy. Yeah. When I say very easy, not always easy, but <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, these guys had a skill that I'm sure the organisation didn't recognise enough with uh, monetary value. Mm. Yeah, probably. Off they're the, away, they're the unsung heroes, aren't That's they? That's right. Um, give us a secret then, the one-liners, the famous one-liners. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we could have just played an hour of your highlights, mm. Dennis. Like I said, there's a lot on YouTube. Are there really? <laughs> if you get bored. Okay. <laughs> no, I'd probably um, cringe, I think. Where do they come from? Um, well, I humor's part of life, isn't it? And sport sort of seems to lack humor on occasions. I think a lot of broadcasting lacks humor. And uh, it's just the way I liked it. Jim Fitzmorris, who was at the ABC when I first went there, and I mentioned Jim before, I think, uh, that uh, he was a funny guy. You know, like he said funny things. I'd come home from school as a schoolboy. Jim wasn't that much older than me, but uh, maybe 15 years. And there he was, and uh, he was doing the last session of the cricket or something. But he always had this glib or funny line, and I loved him for it, you know. And later, of course, as I said, he became the top man in the ABC. And I think that sense of humour, not only on the air, but just in life in general, carried him well. Mm. And I think um, life is nothing without humour. Mm. So, so I, I, I would write things down if I heard them, or I would look for things based on names or, you know, just things that happen in football. Because football, believe it or not, from weekend to weekend, games are identical. Everything will happen. You know, there's a whole gamut that does happen, but you can rely on the fact they will happen. Mm. And so you can you can pre-write most of what you want to say, including the players' names, because they come out on Friday. So, so yeah. you know, that's, that's all I did. I don't think I sort of uh, split the atom. Wow. You did something magical, Tennis, because uh, it, it, it became your trademark. You it know? did, Tim, yeah. yeah and you just did. sort of built this incredible collection of, of lines over many years, and you still hear kids, you know, when they're out just kicking with mates out in the park, they're still they're still quoting you now. Are they really? Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which park is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you there. <laughs> uh, Tim. Um, who inspired you then? Who were the commentators or the other broadcasters that you – uh, chose to listen to, and I, I, there's a part B to that question too. Is it true that you watched a lot of sport with the sound down? Uh, yeah, I did that, but that was more to I think learn the players or, okay. or, or call them myself in my head. You know, yep. like if someone else is saying something different, then it's a little bit hard to do. So I did that, but I. I so when you're doing your own research ahead of a game, yes, you, you, wanna... would, you would watch, have the game on, but you'd have some music on. Yes. Yeah, generally, and just uh, sort of saying the players, you're not really commentating it as such. You don't mm. do anything other than say, you know, that's a uh, committee. And uh, mm. unfortunately, again, he hasn't got the ball. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I used to do a fair bit of that. I, um, 
And certainly it didn't worry me, say, on a Monday after a weekend away doing footy to sit down and, and watch the footy. Yeah. And uh, start from there, start on a Monday and just uh, watch the teams during the week from, say, the weekend just gone and the weekend before that, depending yeah. on who might be on the side later in the week. I enjoyed it, so it was no, yeah. it was no trouble at all. What was the yeah. question? <laughs> the, the people that inspired you. I mean, oh, yes. some of the great American commentators. Uh, no uh, great you know, American who commentators. Who brought that colour often, you know, to professional sport. Yeah, I don't think there are any great American commentators. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I liked American disc jockeys, and probably yeah. they inspired me more. Right. You know, they, they were smarties. Uh, now I'm just trying to think of uh, any Robert W. Morgan. You wouldn't have heard that name, have no. you? No, you haven't heard of Robert. Oh, no. Okay. But I'll go uh, check him out. Uh, your yeah, recommendation. Did, did, uh, and there was uh, Charlie Tuner. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Tuner was another one. They had good lines. Yeah. You know, like uh, most of their sportscasters were a little too serious. And yeah. uh, I didn't really and still don't yeah. admire the American sports broadcasters that much. I like the Englishmen better because they can be quite amusing with a stiff upper lip. Mm. You know, it doesn't seem like a joke. And then a few seconds later you start to chuckle. Martin yeah. Tyler's often held up as being a great He was a great caller. Broadcaster. Yeah. Very straight, though. There wasn't much yeah. humour there. But he, he was the best of the soccer yeah. commentators that I grew up with. Again, mm. I was growing up when he was in his prime. Yeah. He's still doing it, but uh, he'd be older than me. He's, he's scaled back a lot. Get him on the phone. I've got yeah. to commiserate with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's take a break, though, Dennis. After that, um, love to know what you're up to these days. Yeah, oh, that'll... Take about two and minutes. And we've got a special little tribute to you as well. Well, not our tribute, but uh, a tribute that's uh, – anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it just cryptically hanging in the air, Dennis. <laughs> I'm interested. Of, of all of the, the, the tributes to you, that I didn't see this one coming when it sort of popped up on the radio a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Anyway, Look you're intrigued, aren't you? I am. <laughs> we'll get into it right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories with Dennis Cometti. Back in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. People might think their radios are broken. It's a little bit of a departure, isn't it, on 6PR? But there's a reason we're playing that, Dennis. I mean, that's a that's a very unique tribute, isn't it? A local uh, Perth band yeah. who've called themselves Dennis Cavetti. 6PR plays the hits. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're a music man, Dennis. You must be able to appreciate that on some level. I, I, look, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> I, I, I've seen the boys perform too. They perform in East Fremantle Jumpers, and East Fremantle was my team as a boy, so I barrack for East Fremantle. There you go. They've done their homework. Uh, well, I don't know. They live in East Fremantle, I think. They're down that way. But they went to a battle of the bands about, uh, what, three or four months ago, maybe yeah. longer, six months, in England, and they, uh, they ran about seventh or eighth. I've been sort of fobbing them off. Now I've, now I've got to embrace them. <laughs> you t- well, they're carrying your they, name. They were terrific. No, they, yeah. I, they were lovely to meet. And yeah. uh, I met the parents of a couple of them too. And uh, that was a good day. It was a pub in Fremantle. And uh, no, I appreciate that. Thanks very much, guys, <laughs> if you're listening. Did they did they reach out to you and say, hey, we're a, a, a band. We love you. We're no. going to call them. No? No. They were already people, out and about. 
people started making these reports about they've just seen the dentist committees. Plural. Yeah. And I couldn't work that out. Uh, so uh, eventually I worked out that they were a rock band and uh, a very good one. Yeah. A bit grungy for me. They know yeah. that. I've expressed that. I'd like them to come back a little bit <laughs> towards Neil Diamond or, yeah. the, or the Four Seasons or the Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Good luck with that. That was their uh, their hit, Wax It, too, which obviously is a very parochial I knew that. Uh, West Australian theme. Yeah. So, no, they've For the been board. doing great things. So, the... look, they're carrying your name well, Dennis. We'll see. Proudly West Australian. And they stand the test of time, that's well, it. You know? we'll wait and see. We will wait and see. If they have a career as long as yours, Dennis, they'll be going going beautifully. Beautifully. You yeah. called your last game yes. on radio last year. What was that like? Uh, good. Yeah, it was good uh, because the Bulldogs were in it. Mm. You know, and as a result, it wasn't good that they uh, got beaten so comprehensively. But but the strange thing about that grand final was my first football jumper was a Melbourne jumper. My dad used to go uh, to uh, courses in Melbourne. He worked for DCA, as I said, the Department of Civil Aviation. And uh, he went across to Melbourne quite often. And Melbourne were the toast of the league in the 50s when he mm. went. And I was a young boy. I was born in 49. So uh, he'd come back with this jumper and... I wore it everywhere. I wore it to school in those days. They didn't care what you wore to school. And uh, so I wore that. And uh, they were my second favourite team. So it was ironic that I got the Bulldogs and uh, Melbourne on that day in the grand final. Now, mm. I would have rather the Bulldogs won, but uh, it wasn't sort of uh, something that disappointed me that Melbourne won. Yeah. Like uh, Melbourne are my second team. Over mm. there. Yeah. But uh, hanging up the headset? Oh, hanging at, up the headset. At the end of the broadcast? Uh, How did you feel? Uh, well, it was uh, it was strange. I mean, um, I mean, after a grand final, you're going to uh, take time off anyway, so it wasn't completely sort of unnatural. But uh, everyone's sort of looking sad and uh, coming across and shaking your hand. Now, whether they were sad or not, or sort of, uh, it didn't matter uh, mm. because uh, I, I don't think it was a time for sadness. I mean, I'd made the choice myself, so uh, I was happy to be going and. Uh, Kerry came in briefly. He came in, and uh, Bruce and I just had a couple of uh, moments together. We just stood to one side and had a bit of a chat, and I think Bruce was quite emotional as well, mm. and, and that made me a little emotional. And uh, But, you know, there were no tears, but at the same time, uh, when you've worked with a bloke for so long and there's a mutual respect, um, yeah, it was – anyway, it was a good day, and I was really happy with that last call. I, yep. I sort of uh, thought it went well because I think I was probably declining a bit on radio. Radio, you can get away with more. So if you were listening in your car, you didn't know whether necessarily I was declining or not, <laughs> unless I said it was Sunday. But, uh, uh, so, so anyway, it was, it was a good way to finish and uh, no regrets at all. Yeah. Do you miss the, the, the travel? I, I remember at one point you, you said that you'd spent, by your estimations, about five years in a hotel. Mm. in Melbourne as you went back and forth for season after season. Yeah. yeah uh, but like I, a, do, you, do you miss any part of that lifestyle at all? Uh, no, no, but I loved it at the time. Well, to a certain extent. Uh, early years loved it. Mm. Uh, but often my wife, Vilia, would come across and she would stay the week because it was just as cheap to stay there as to come back home. Mm. So uh, we did that quite often. So we got to know Melbourne very well and we've got lots of friends over there. So even when she didn't come, I could mix with those friends. And uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed my time, although Sydney I found to be a lonesome place with cricket. You know, Sydney's spread out. I mean, there is no real downtown Sydney, is there? Yeah. You know, it's just sort of, pockets everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we stayed at the Wentworth, which was down towards Circular Quay. 
And, and I, I, I felt very lonely at times in Sydney. And cricket matches go for five days. And in those days, the one day as we played midweek and, you know, like it was a bit of a circus just touring around. And uh, that was a lonely time. But V would come over when she could. Mm. But the kids weren't uh, that old. Yeah. Because you have to, you do as a family have to embrace that lifestyle, don't you? The of course. constant travel. Of course, yeah. Um, was it ever difficult maintaining, a, I suppose, a, a good marriage a, well, <laughs> and a normal kind of family <laughs> dynamic while you're back and forth over uh, East all the time? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, um, when you got home, you were a little too talkative, I think. Billy, you got a bit sick of that Still after a while. Still <laughs> Well, I had no one to talk to, you know, like uh, it was, I, I mean, at the hotel, it, it was, uh, you didn't know people, you got to know some of the staff, but yeah. it, it wasn't, I mean, the, the turnover there with people coming and going, you might recognise somebody occasionally, but uh, it was, it was. Uh, I don't want to cry poor or anything like that and say how hard it was, but at the same time, that I found uh, harder than the football, let's say that, the cricket was harder than the football. Yeah. I, I, yeah, well, being on a plane all the time, it's uh, yeah, it loses its novelty value pretty quickly. Yeah, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you know the airlines we flew with were terrific, and they looked after us. But uh, uh, yeah, it's Perth's a long way from anywhere, isn't it? Yeah, were you ever tempted to base yourself over there? Uh, no, no, I had the opportunity a couple of times, but I, I just didn't want to. I was a West Australian. I'm a proud West Australian, and uh, I just love it too much here. You know, mm. and uh, the family are here. The kids weren't going to move. I can't imagine they would have moved, you know. So, uh, no, I'm I'm just happy with the way it all panned out and I'm yep. a very lucky man. Yeah. And tell us what you're doing now. What are you doing to fill your days in retirement? Well, I've got this uh, interview booked in for the week, <laughs> uh, maybe the month, depending on how it goes. Uh, no, look, I, I, I just uh, knock around with mates now, guys that uh, perhaps I, I picked up along the way but didn't spend a lot of time with when I was working. And now... And they were terrific guys that I played football with, guys that I met later in life, worked on radio stations with, and I'm just drinking a lot of coffee. I mean, that's one thing I haven't done this morning is fall asleep. A couple of times you did, but uh, I haven't. I need my nano naps, Dennis. <laughs> Me too. Aren't they great? <laughs> They're the best. As far as career highlights go, mm. one one a part of your CV that we haven't touched on is your Olympic Games coverages. You know, yeah. 92, 96, Sydney in 2000. Where do they sit in your list of highlights in your mind? Uh, this is going to sound a little sacrilegious, but I, I Olympics were never part of my sort of genre, if you like. Yeah. Uh, but I grew to like them and respect them very much. I mean, the athletes are beyond respect. I mean, mm. the people that compete, they're terrific. But... Um, I enjoyed doing them. I, I did the swimming, and uh, I can't remember the second week I did something else, but uh, it was generally something that uh, wasn't mainstream. But the swimming certainly was, and so is the athletics, and Bruce did the athletics, uh, and was lucky enough to have some really good swimmers. And as I've said, at several sort of nights that I've been along, I'm sort of part of the swimming community now. Yeah. I often say I couldn't have done it without them, all those gold medals, <laughs> you know, like... Uh, well, it was a good time. Oh, it was to a be great time. It was a great time. And, and Basil's had a good time too. I mean, yes. uh, we're doing well in the pool at the moment. Uh, yeah. And they were great athletes. I mean, when you see what goes into being a good swimmer, all that sort of time in the pool, uh, they deserve every accolade they get. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, a few questions without notice here, mm -hmm. Dennis, and I'm not sure if you're even going to be able to answer these oh. <laughs> without some thinking time. Yep. But do you have a favourite? game that you got to commentate is there like a just a standout game of footy where you just put that above all others 
the uh, the Geelong Hawthorne. I, I think the grand standout final, perhaps we're going uh, back thirty. Yeah, plus that, was, years. that was that was a great game, wasn't it? Uh, that was a good game. But I, I think the one that stands out for me, and it's uh, purely sort of uh, of my own making, is that last one here in Perth, uh, the last grand final on mm. radio. Yeah. Uh, I would think the last grand final on television because it was the Bulldogs, one of my other teams, was up there as well. I, I'd, I'd say that was the best game for me on television, would have been the Bulldogs winning that grand final against uh, Sydney. Yep. And then uh, last year, I think uh, Melbourne winning the game against the Bulldogs mm. was perhaps not the equal when I think about it, but uh, pretty close. Right up In there. In Perth. Yep. Um, favourite player. Do you have a favourite player? Gee whiz. And, oh, well, I do. I do. I have a, yeah, from my childhood, though. Not, right. Not from my broadcasting so much. I mean, uh, it's about respect when you're broadcasting. Uh, Lee Matthews, I think, is is the pick of uh, the players. Uh, there's quite a few. I, I wrote a list down before I oh, came here. Oh, did you? In. There you uh, well, go. I you did. weren't prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not sure it's the correct thing. Tomorrow I might change. And I can't, <laughs> anyway, I can't find the list. Hang on. Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. Who are you guessing? Always guess? prepared. Who, who are you guessing? <laughs> no, I haven't got it. I, oh, yes, I have I'm going to say it. that you're going to go back to Bob Johnson. He wasn't a favourite player, but he was. It wasn't the best. No, <laughs> he was the funniest. Right. <laughs> I've never seen a funnier man on a football field. Uh, in no particular order. Here we go: Lee Matthews, yep. Graham Farmer, Wayne Carey, Barry Cable, Russell Ebert, Royce Hart, Ray Sorrell. Right. There you go. Okay. What about the? Wasn't that emphatic? What about the players of today that you? There's a few. Well, good from years gone by there, but do you have a favourite yeah. player of the moment? Well, I think when you're sort of young and impressionable, they're the ones that get to you. You know, like Lee, Lee played when I broadcast. Uh, Wayne Carey did. Uh, Ebert did. Uh, Hart did. No, he didn't. He was before me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, I mean, I did broadcast some of those guys, but uh, probably in lesser situations. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of North Melbourne uh, cable was just finishing, but I did a lot of cable sort of yep. before that on radio here. Uh, they were the players that, anyway, I admired as players. Yeah. You know, so yep. uh, it's, a, it's a good list, not a bad list. That's, but it's a solid list. Yes, yeah, it is. But uh, I'm sure I've left out some very good ones too. But you have your sort of personal likes and dislikes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, fans of yours, Dennis, have their personal favourite lines that you've delivered over the years. Do you mm. have a favourite where you've just gone, gee, I nailed that. That was genius. Uh, I mean, there's there, there are some tongue twisters in it. I mean, as I was sort of going through a list, reading through some of them, you almost have to rehearse them several times so you don't trip over them. The uh, optimistically, misty, opti optically line, for instance, I, I still can't say it properly. <laughs> I mean, when uh, you deliver that line, you must get, get a little bit of a lift. You go, I, I've actually spat that out clearly and concisely. It worked. It's brilliant. Do you have a, do you well, have a favourite? Well, on the plane, you have a lot of time to say it to yourself. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> so, so as a result, you get it down centimetre perfect. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, not really. I don't have a favourite. Uh, no, I, I'm just trying to think. I, I don't remember many of them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it goes into a packed up. Is that the one you just said? Goes into a packed optimistically and comes out misty. Op that's the yeah. one you said. Yes. Yeah, uh, well, that's why it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't remember, but there were plenty of them, and they weren't all spontaneous. No. No. But we don't need to know that. No, they they just came out of your great mind. Well, just in the program <laughs> earlier, can you? Yeah. Have you got one to finish off on? No.
Oh, well, you know, I haven't been briefed on this. You know, like <laughs> they, they weren't spontaneous. I just said that. Yeah. Did you ever worry that you were going to overuse them or repeat them? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I was quite aware of those I'd used. So I think you'd use them once, put them in the bin, uh, or put them on much, the shelf. Pretty much, yes, and uh, look for others. I mean, it was a. Uh, it was an interesting time sort of ploughing through those. That took up more of my time than learning the players some weeks, you know, <laughs> finding something mildly amusing. Yeah, I bet. And uh, obviously some players with their names lend themselves to lines. Yeah, they do. Now, I, yeah. I was thinking of something then, but I can't – now, this sounds terrible. I, I can't remember it, so I won't sort of uh, bring it up. But there was one that I I used which I thought was very good. It was a game at Adelaide Oval. I can't uh... – oh, yes, 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 yes. Um it was a line from a Rolling Stone song that I tried to be smart about. There was a guy, remember McLeod that played at Adelaide? Yeah. Very good player. Andrew? Uh, yeah, Andrew McLeod. That's yeah. right. And uh, very good player. Anyway, uh, I remember there was a bloke who tackled him late in the game. It might have been a uh, showdown. And uh, this fellow sort of grabbed him and took him to the ground and was slow to get up. You know how they are sometimes. Yeah. They almost rub their mm. head in the turf. And uh, I had his mate coming up and saying, hey, you get off McLeod. <laughs> uh, uh, no one laughed. You're Brilliant. the first one to laugh at that. I appreciate it, Dennis. There you go. You've given us a line to finish off. As a final question, Dennis. Yep. To any young aspiring broadcasters, yes, who've watched your career over, you know, their lifetimes, yes, uh, and are looking to for some sort of guidance, some sort of you know mentoring line from you. What what would be the the standout piece of advice you'd, you'd give to a young broadcaster well, or think, sports commentator? You know, wanna be. Uh, well, this is pretty rich coming from me, but I I think um, you've got to be an original if you can be. You know, it's hard to be an original this this you know era because everybody's doing something different. I, I think mm. for the first time, people have broken away in all sorts of directions to do things, not just sports broadcasting, but. So you've got to find uh, what works for you, but you can't be forced. I think it's got to come naturally to a certain extent. And I I often used to laugh at the football when I went as a kid, you know, and growing up, sort of, I got in the teenage years. And, and I think uh, liking Bob Johnson helped. Bob fell over a lot, didn't have his teeth in. And I was, I, one, have we got a couple more minutes? I remember I, uh, I, I was, uh, as a boy, I went to Lathlane Park one day. East Fremantle were playing um, a scratch match against Perth. And no one was there really, and I was able to go from end to end. And Bob was in the goal square, so I'd just sit behind him. And Bob wasn't interested. He was the coach, captain coach. He was, but he wasn't interested in scratch matches. And there were two women who were alongside me, and I thought I realized I recognized one of them actually as a plant hostess. And uh, she might have had something on that identified her as such. Anyway, they were sort of following from end to end as well. And uh, I remember something happened in the goal square and, and Bob was in a scramble and anyway, the ball didn't go his way and they, Perth took it away in the scratch match. And Bob turned around as he was walking back and sort of blew a kiss to the girls, but the spittle stayed on his hand. Oh, no. And it was like playing a trombone. It was about a <laughs> metre in front of him. And uh, then he turned around and watched the play again and uh, I looked at the girls about 10 seconds later or looked for them because they were gone. I bet they were. <laughs> My hero. <laughs> you just watched him crumble in front of your eyes. Oh, he went down uh, a couple of notches, but I restored him the next week. Yeah, very good. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much it's for coming been, in and sharing some of your memories. It's been terrific, Tim. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank I hope you, you get much. something good out of that. Oh, and, and more.
It was, it was centimetre perfect, Dennis. Thank you. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6BR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.